You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's wonderful to have a musical where you have, you know, have a great book and you have great music, but you haven't, you haven't thought about how can dance help tell the story? How can we make the dance a beautiful storytelling element? I want to be a producer with a hit show on Broadway. You're listening to the Producers Perspective Podcast with your host, Tony Award winner, Ken Davenport. Hey, everybody. In just a few moments, we're going to get to choreographer Josh Bergas, who's going to tell you why our beloved Smash is still not on the air. Uh, so stay tuned for that episode. In the meantime, just a shout out to our sponsors, the new studios on the block, literally Sunlight Studios, with eight bright and spacious rehearsal studios for rent. Uh, you can rehearse a show, you can do a reading, you can do anything you want in their studios as long as it's legal. Uh, so if you're looking for a large private studio space to accommodate your rehearsal needs or your reading needs again, uh, check out Studio G. That's the biggest one they got. You won't regret it. To book a studio today, please visit sunlightstudios.com right in the heart of the theater district. It really doesn't get any more conveniently located than this studio uh, and I can say this now that my studios that I used to have are no longer in existence because it used to be that mine were the best. They're gone. Now it's about Sunlight Studios. Go check them out. There's actually some pretty big power brokers behind this place. So you know it's going to be a hot property. It's going to be like a new nightclub on the block. Uh, they do have smaller studios uh, available for voice lessons and classes as well. If you just want to warm up before your next audition or uh, escape your apartment and work on a new musical if you're a composer. If you want to save money, use code Davenport. Guess where they got that? Use code Davenport to receive a 5% discount on your bookings. Only valid for the next four weeks. Four weeks, 5%. Go get it, sunlikestudios.com. And now on with the podcast. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Hey, it's Ken. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast, and I hope it's pulling back the curtain on this business of Broadway. If you're looking to learn more about what makes this industry tick, go to my website, kentdavenport.com, and sign up for my weekly newsletter. I'll send you one email a week, one article about what I'm seeing, trends, insights, marketing ideas on what's happening on Broadway right now. That's kentdavenport.com. Hope to see you there and in your inbox. Hello, everybody. You've tuned into the Producer's Perspective podcast. My name is Ken Davenport, uh, and I'm thrilled to have on the podcast today one of those choreographers that is on everyone's list these days when they're thinking about staffing a big musical. Please welcome to the podcast, Josh Burgas. Welcome, Josh. Hi, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. So Josh received a Tony Dramadesque and Outer Critics nomination for his incredible work in On the Town, very dance-focused On the Town. Yes. He was also the choreographer of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory on Broadway, as well as Gigi on Broadway, directed and choreographed last year's Smokey Joe's Cafe, and also was the choreographer for Smash. Yes. We will get into that later. <laughs> so I assume you are one of those choreographers that started dancing like when you were in diapers. Is that true? That is absolutely true. So how did, how did you find it? Did it find you? I grew up at my mother's dance school in uh, the suburbs of Detroit, Michigan. So I had my first pair of tap shoes when I was three years old. And I was just a, like a dance studio brat. And I just hung around the dance studio. After school, I would go straight there. And I would jump into classes that I was completely inappropriately too young for. And just, you know, hanging around with these... Fossey dance numbers. Totally. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, so I just just hung around the studio, and I was was a terrible dancer as a kid. Really? I just had no rhythm... Uh, it, it didn't make sense, and I just I just did it because I was there. And it wasn't until I was a teenager that it started to click. It was like around fourteen or fifteen, where like things start to make sense in my body, and 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 I, I start to actually like it and and do it because I like it, not just because I felt like I was there and I was doing it. Was it just your babysitter in a way after school? Is that why you were there? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was like we we you know we did have a babysitter, but half the time I was either I was at the dance studio, so um, and I was just hanging out with my mom and and you know uh, all her teachers and all her you know her staff and and just I was just like the little brat that ran around. Was your mom excited about you doing dance? Was she pushing you? Was she a dance mom? Like what was that? No, she didn't for? really push me, and it's funny because I felt like. I thought I was supposed to be doing it, and then once I got a little older and I realized, oh, I'm, she's not pushing me, I'm just here. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was my community, you know, I was friends with all these people, and, and, they, you know, and they were taking care of me, and it was like my extended family. A lot of people older than you, I would imagine. Yes, yeah. And did that have an influence on you? Did you learn? I think, I think so, yeah. I mean, I learned, I probably grew up a little faster. Uh, because I was just hanging out with, you know, all these f- people who were older than me, and they were, you know, they were like mother figures and father figures, like, so they were all over the place. So I think I got a, maybe a sense of responsibility as an adult a little sooner than, than I normally would have. When did you say, oh, this isn't just me hanging around a studio anymore. I'm going to do this. I'm going to hang around a studio for the rest of my life. Yeah, it was like, like I said, it was when I was about 14 or 15 and it started to click in my body, the, the dance and technique started to really make sense and I actually started to get good. And Can I, I ask, thought, sorry, when did you know, what was the moment 
that you knew you were good? Was there a competition? Was there a thing where you were like, oh shit? Yeah, it was, I think it was like, it was the first solo that I did that I actually like placed in a competition and people were telling me how good I was and I was like, yeah, that felt really good. I actually felt cool doing that. And, and then, you know, it kind of felt, wow, I want to feel like that more. And so... I guess maybe I started to work harder and I started to enjoy it and spend more serious time doing it, not just because I was there. And that's when I was like, oh, yeah, I, I, I want to be a dancer. And what was the first step you took to do that? Was it right into musicals? Were you thinking about dance companies? How did that transition happen? No, I actually, I started getting more involved in the studio professionally, like really like getting on in the, the competition team and then starting to teach classes and really getting involved. Um, and my mother, she, my mother was an actress before she was a dance teacher. So, so our studio was kind of theatrical in a way. You know, it was we were always into musicals, and 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 I grew up watching, uh, you know, Fred Astaire, Gene Kelly, West Side Story, all the MGM musicals. That's that's just what we did. It felt like every Sunday the family got together and watched Fiddler on the Roof. <laughs> so. Yeah, that so but I stayed at the studio for a while, but you know, we were very musical based. And then the first thing that happened for me <clears throat> as far as getting out was we were on vacation in New York and when we come to New York for vacation, it's it was really to take dance classes and see shows and you know, get get some inspiration to bring back to Michigan. And we had a friend who was living here and and he told me about this audition for West Side Story and I thought well that sounds fun as a as a just a way to learn the original choreography they, they, they were doing the Robbins choreography you know it'd be like a free class and I went to the audition and it was awesome and I got a call back and I thought well I don't need to go again and and my mom and our friend made me and and I said well I'm not going to take the job if I get it and so I went and to the callback, and it was great because we learned another combination. So it was another free class of the Robbins choreography. And so then uh, it was great, and I got another callback. But we were supposed to leave. So my mom left me here. She said, no, you're going. Oh, I was, by then I was like 20, 21. Okay. So she, she said, no, you're staying. You go to the callback. I was like, why? Why am I doing this? So I stayed. I went to the callback. And then I came home, you know, the next day. And then a couple weeks later, I got the call and I got the job. And I was cast as Baby John in a national tour of West Side Story. And, you know, I got my equity card like that. And I went on tour for two years and, and learned the Robbins choreography. I became the dance captain eventually and started assisting the, the director, uh, Alan Johnson, for many years. And I don't like to tell that story because I like to tell people when they first come to New York of how hard it is, how much time they have to put in, and how long it takes to get your equity card. But I was one of those that just, you know, got lucky. And I think part of it was because when I went into the audition, I wasn't trying to get a job. I wasn't, I was just enjoying every second of it and loving it. And I wasn't nervous. I was just, it was just so cool to me. There's no God. I hope I get it. There was no God. I hope I don't get it. I'm not not getting this. So exactly, I'll just have some fun. It was just bliss. I was looking at all the amazing dancers around me, and And you were probably more amazing than all. I was just like, like, I was like, who is this brat over here? Totally, (laughs) because I had no pressure. The other thing, you know, it it, um, you're you're so modest to talk about 
uh, oh, I you know just happened. I, I would consider myself lucky. I'd argue if you know Malcolm Gladwell's ten thousand hour rule. Like you spent ten thousand hours from three to thirteen in becoming an expert. It just was so young. Yeah, I guess that's I guess that's a that's a good perspective on it. Yes, I guess I spent my time yeah. before I got into that audition room. So you very quickly, it sounds like, transitioned into supervisory roles, so dance captain and director's assistant for many years. What do you think, obviously they recognize something in you, these people, to, especially your first equity gig, and they're like, oh, be the dance captain, oh, assist. What, what do you think they saw in you that was, had leadership qualities or more creative qualities? Right. I think it was chutzpah. But um, it was. How? How did that come out? Well, what happened? You know, they the dance captain was leaving after the first year, and they couldn't find anybody who wanted to take it on, because it's you know it's a really hard and tedious job. And I said, well, I'll do it. And I think because they first of all they didn't have anybody else who wanted to do it, but second because uh, Alan knew my history with uh, my mom's dance school uh, where I was teaching and I was being groomed to take it over. So it was kind of like I was already in a managerial position before I joined this tour. And he had uh, he knew that, and so he thought, you know, that, that kind of qualifies you to do this. So And I was just ballsy enough to, to, you know, say I'll do it, even though I was probably the youngest person on the tour with the least professional experience. But um, <clears throat> I think that's what he recognized. And I loved what I did so much that I, you know, asked him if I could keep doing it with him. And how did that lead to choreography? What was the first thing you ever choreographed? Yeah, well, uh, again, back to the dance studio. When I was teaching, I would choreograph for the recitals and the competitions and galas and things like that. And so when I got to New York... Uh, after the tour was over, after a couple of years, and I settled in New York, um, I started auditioning, and then I got a job teaching classes here, and and then I just started choreographing for friends, you know, for the, you know they're doing this this showcase here, this benefit here, and they needed somebody to choreograph something. I said I'll do it, you know. I've done I did the competitions and the recitals and things like that. And so it was kind of like my, my, it was like a hobby and almost, uh, and, and then teaching was my kind of like my, my day job, my waiting tables between little, the dancing gigs I would get. And so, and when I'm teaching, I'm always having to make up steps and, you know, give something to the students. So when I put those two together, I started choreographing more. And one day I actually got paid for it. And I was like, wow, that's interesting. I didn't actually have to spend money to do this. And then it, that just kind of like started to build. Um, and I think I got like my first really professional choreography job when in, in uh, maybe 2000, the year 2000, where it was like I had to join the union and it was very official and I felt very cool about that. It sounds like you approached choreography in the same way you approached that first audition. You were like, I'm just going to start doing some stuff over here. Totally. And all of a sudden, it just happened. Again, yeah. the lack of pressure, like, oh, I've got to go make a living at this, or I've got to go choreograph the next West Side Story. You were just doing stuff. I was just doing stuff, and it was a great, it was a great phase 
for me creatively because there was no pressure and I was just you know trying to invent things that I thought you know I would have an idea and 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 just try to execute it without um, you know without any pressure of of a production or you know or uh, collaborators you know having specific requirements so I was just kind of getting to know what was within me choreographically now I appreciate you know the the pressure and the collaborators more than anything because I feel like now that drives me to do things to do different things but it's odd though isn't it you're very successful now Tony nominee you do a lot of shows a lot of work's being thrown your way and you feel more pressure now, even though you've been lauded and praised and paid and all this stuff, than you were when you were, when it mattered more, quote unquote, right? Yeah, I guess that's what kind of sucks about getting, you know, right. getting, yeah, it's like, the, you know, once people start to notice you, then, you know, they expect things and, and then you put pressure on yourself. And So how do you maintain that childlike creativity when you're, how do you create like a 22 year old? Right. When you're now whatever age you are and under more scrutiny, how do you keep that 22-year-old going? Yeah, I think it's 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 being excited about new projects, and for me, it's doing different doing different things. You know, like doing doing a big a big musical like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory is really fun, and and you know, and and that's one thing. But then this other project that I was talking about, uh, a soldier's tale, which is a, a you know contemporary ballet piece that is to uh, classical music, and is uh, uh, you know something completely different. And so I can do the musical and have fun with that, and then kind of leave that and try something new. And then and do that, and then you know, then I have a tap show coming up, and then just like just do tap, and so it's fun to do different things for me. Uh, it just keeps keeps me feeling fresh and excited about the next thing. Was it hard for you to give up your career as a performer when you started to transition to a choreographer? You know, it wasn't. Was not. <laughs> it was not. Um, you I had danced I, your whole life. You'd think that I, that would be in you. Yeah, and and you know, and I still get to dance as a choreographer, and I still teach a lot, teach dance a lot. So I get to dance when I'm teaching, but the performing schedule is grueling, and what and and what we go through, what we what I went through, and what they go through now. You know, auditioning is you know, it's I don't miss that. I don't uh, I don't miss you know the eight shows a week schedule. It's, it's just very hard, and I did it, so I feel like, you know, I, I got that out of my system, and, and the last show that I did before I, I like, finally officially said, okay, I'm retired, was uh, the, the national tour of Moving Out. And you know it was a heavy dance show. I said that was an easy one for you. Yeah. <laughs> no, no problem, no injuries. You'd be fine. Oh gosh, I, I remember my first day of rehearsal. I felt like I got hit by a Mack truck. And then when, yeah, that after after that tour closed and I closed out the tour, I did it for about thirteen months. And I said, I think I think that's a good way to go out. So tell me a little bit about your process of creation. I think for a lot of people, they know how a writer writes, they know how a composer composes. What for you as a choreographer do you do first when you have to create a new number for a musical? Uh, For me, the first thing is the script, is the story. I'm one of those choreographers that needs to know... I need I need the story to guide me, and I need the characters to guide me. I can't just come up with steps. 
I need I need a reason for them. So I get to know the story. I get to know the script. I get to know the characters, and I want the characters all to move differently if they need to, you know. Um, and then and then I go to the music, and I try to get to know the music as intimately as possible. And then and this is all like this is all homework. This is all first homework that I'm, I'm doing, you know, listening on the subway or reading at home or just just contemplating on my own. Um, and then I start to see it in my head. I start to get uh, visuals in my mind. And then the next step is the fir- the, that first concrete step of, of getting into a studio and with some dancers. I love to have people with me. I don't necessarily like to just dance by myself. I like to have you know one of my main assistants and then a few other great dancers that we feed off each other. And we just uh, start dancing around and, and coming up with ideas and 90% of them are bad ideas but and then we videotape everything we just videotape it all and and then we I'll go home and I'll just watch go through the video and say that's good that's not that's good that's not that's not that's not and then you know get back into the studio take the good ideas and then try to try to piece them together and see if we have something and then we just keep building on the, that that choreography with that kind of skeletal crew of dancers until it's time to put it onto the cast. And then you put it onto the cast and you realize, oh, that doesn't work on any of you. (laughs) But at least you have a true understanding of what the material needs to be. If you know the story, you know the music, and you know uh, what, what 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 you're trying to say, even if it even if all your ideas don't work when you get into that first rehearsal with the cast, you know how to fix it because you're, you, you have an understanding of the material. Can you give me an example from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory of how the script influenced the movement of one big dance number or, not, or one of the characters? Like why, oh, they oh, should move sure. this way because... Yeah, well, um, okay, so uh, when you first, I guess when you first meet the, the first number that comes out is, um, of the uh, Golden Ticket winners is, are the Gloops, Augustus Gloop and, and his mother. So, you know, they're from Bavaria, okay? And then, and then the, um, the, the music was, you know, very, you know, kind of Bavarian and they were yodeling. And, and so I just started thinking, Bavaria? And so for some reason, uh, Cuckoo Cox came into my head which felt like a very German thing to me. I'm not sure why, but I think so. And we did the research, and, and we were looking up, you know, found these cuckoo clocks. Then, uh, and then I started looking up uh, Bavarian folk dance. So we kind of created this number that felt like Bavarian folk dance in a cuckoo clock. And that was, that's basically what we did. So it was just like, that's, that, okay, that's, that, that's what that is. And it represented you know, where they were from and how, and how the music sounded. And so, um, yeah, that was, that was a reason that that was, you know, something that related to that. Then there was another one, like the finale of act two was all, uh, it was all based in the lyric. It felt like to me, you know, I, I listened to the lyric and I listened to the mood of the song and I totally, I could see, I saw the whole number in my head. Um, you know, it was one of those things that, I almost didn't do have to do any research because I just listened to the listen to you know when you do Shaman and Whitman it's like they write their songs to be staged so you listen to it and you think yeah I see it 
When do you find that you are asked to come aboard most musical projects? Is it when the script is done, when it's halfway done, going into rehearsals? When do you find you're getting the calls? You know, it's funny. It depends on the director. I find directors that that don't uh, necessarily relate well to dance take longer to hire their choreographer to bring in to bring in the choreographer even if they know who they want to use and ones who like are love dance they they bring the choreographer into the creative discussions earlier and that's when I prefer I prefer to be involved in the discussions earlier because I feel like I can help you know I can help the process because I feel you know I feel it's it's wonderful to have a musical where you have you know have you have great book and you have great music but you haven't you haven't thought about how can dance help tell the story how can we make a dance a beautiful storytelling element and that's what I like to do I like to be a, like an integral part of of the show I like the choreography to really be you know not to bring it down so I feel like the earlier I get involved the more important dance becomes for the show. And the later I get involved, then then I find, sadly, I find that people say, okay, we have to put dance in the show because it's a musical, it's a big musical. And then, and then we try to figure out how to shoehorn the dance in there. And then by the time you get to previews, you're cutting all the dance that we've, we've put in because it wasn't built to have dance. So it, it really just depends on, you know, on the, the people creating, you know, the, the you know the the higher ups than me and how they feel about dance. And it's so like I'm, it was going to be my next question. Of course, when do you want to be hired? And I just want to emphasize how I think it's so important to bring people like you on early. I don't think people realize, especially if you haven't grown up in the dance world, how much the Broadway audience wants and needs dance in their musicals. Right. Yeah, I once did some dial testing on a show, and we were we had a dance number in the first act of this musical. And the number was not working. Everyone on the creative team knew it was not functioning. And when we got to that point in the show, the, the dials spiked. And the, mm. we knew the number wasn't right, but it was because it had dance in it that mm-hmm. the audience was, like, drooling for it. Right. So that's just my way of saying I think, like, you're so right, and we need to hire people like you to help create it. Right, to, yeah. To think about it and find ways to, to help tell the story with it. Yeah, it's organic. So yeah. it's come from it naturally instead of, as right. you said, like post-it note on it, stay right. on it. I mean, and, you know, I think a, a great example, and, and you know, I, is, it, it was your show, is Once on this Island, the way dance was used in that, I thought was thrilling, and really, and, and the show was beautiful, but the dance boosted it up in such a stunning way. It literally brought tears to my eyes, because it wasn't just dance for the sake of dance, but it was used to tell the story. What do you think about revivals versus new musicals? Is it harder to do one or the other? Do you feel more free with a new musical or revival? Are you hamstrung? What do you like to do? Done them both. I've done them both. Yeah, you know, I I have to say, I I, I mean, I love I love new musicals, but I I really love revivals because there's something about the olden days. There's something about the time period. I was at Kiss Me Kate the other night, and I was I had the best time. You know, just that the time period and the style of the music and the dance, and and just because I grew up studying that and learning that and and watching all the movies and 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 going to the shows and and my mother was an actress during that time and I just 
you know, I really love the style, uh, and I have a great time with it. And I, and and when I choreograph, that's a style that feels really good on me and really good, you know, for me to create for for dancers. For a while, I was trying to stay away from revivals because I felt like I had done a few, and I was like, okay, you know, I, I need to just 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 do new musicals. Otherwise, I'm going to be the revival guy. But but now I'm like, I want another revival. <laughs> You know, I made a bossy crack earlier. Do you have a style? Do you have a, oh, that's Josh. Like, you could tell. Like what? It's, what is... it's funny, because as far as I'm concerned, I don't. I like to be, I like to be, you know, jack of all trades, master of none. But every, but, but people come up to me and say, oh, yeah, I could tell that was your, you, you know, you, that was your style. I was like, what about it, though? And it's, so, so the crack I often get is, it was really athletic. <laughs> So I guess that's my style. You have people jumping all over the place. Yes, yeah. I make them work. Uh, where other choreographers out there do you admire right now? Oh, gosh, there's so, there's so many great ones. I mean, I think, you know, I think Warren Carlyle is doing beautiful work lately. Some young up-and-coming Chris Bailey I think is great. Uh, and not even up-and-coming. He's just he's fantastic. I'm always a huge Sergio Trujillo fan. I think he's, his stuff is so cool. Is there a little network of you guys? Do you guys? Have, I mean, Chris. First of all, let me say, Chris Bailey is fantastic. He did get the band back there together for us. He's great. Yeah. Do you guys? Is there a little posse of you? Do you hang out? Do you it's, trade it's, secrets? It's funny. We do. We. I mean, we don't. I don't. I like. It's a choreography is a lonely business, you know, because there's only one of you in a room all the time. Uh, so when I get together, whenever I. I, I get together or bump into somebody it's really fun and and we kind of like can trade secrets sometimes or or uh you know we will email back and forth for advice or for um recommendations on dancers or things like that and but it's always it's always nice to get to know somebody else's process because you know we're always by ourselves it's the same thing you know as a director you know you're you're it's a very lonely position because you don't. You're never working with other directors. Is there a common misconception about choreographers? <laughs> like, if you could get all the producers of musicals in a room and could tell them one thing that you don't think they understand about what you do or who choreographers are, what would you say? That's a good question. I th- I, I I probably would say you know what we were talking about earlier is that we like to be involved in the the storytelling and the creative process as early as possible to get to understand what the writers are writers intentions are uh, so that we can start to craft our work alongside theirs and and get some new ideas instead of seeing my last show and saying oh that was good you know let's do let's have choreography like that or you know but to but to just be involved in the creative process as soon as possible do you read reviews i do i do not all of them but yeah i i'm i'm a sucker for or or i get sucked in rather do you read chat boards no absolutely not absolutely not absolutely not were you ever no 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 why Right? It's like- it, it, yeah, I mean, I feel like if something's on a chat board that's important, I feel like somebody's going to tell me. Somebody's reading it, and somebody's going to say, you know what I heard? I, but I can't go there. Because yeah, I- you get sucked down a rabbit hole, and you'll be doing it for 
I always find that if something is important that's on a chat board, someone else is actually going to say it who's not on a chat board. Right. You know what I mean? Someone in your trusted peer group is going to say the same thing if it's really important. Yeah. Yeah. And I've seen, I've seen colleagues, I won't mention names, but I've seen colleagues that have really gotten upset by spending a few hours, you know, reading the chat boards and come in the next day and have been miserable. So, um, and, and, you know, the bottom line is I don't think that it's really worth it. One of the reasons that I don't go on chat boards is because when I was 18 years old, I was on the chat board. Oh, like, really? I was one of the people. <laughs> so I often think about, I could be reading someone, reading something by someone like me as an 18-year-old who was an idiot. Like, I was an idiot. I didn't know what I was talking about. Right. Totally, I agree. I'm like, my opinion doesn't really matter here. I, I literally <laughs> think about some of the things I posted in rec.arts.theater.news, like whatever, because this is like 1991, when the internet just began. And it was crazy. Okay, big serious question now. You ready? Yeah. Why didn't Smash work? Well, I can say... Oh gosh, that's, there's so many answers to that. I can say the the the, re, the the biggest reason is because it was too expensive for the three people that watched it. Um, by the end, it was uh, basically we were shooting in New York, which is expensive. We were we had a cast of uh, a lot of stars, which was expensive, and we were doing these big musical numbers each episode, which was very expensive. So so it just cost a lot of money to make that show, and you know the viewership dropped dramatically from the beginning of the first season to the end of the first season, and then we tried to reformat everything for the second season, thinking we were doing it correctly, and we actually we actually didn't do we didn't reformat it well, and um, it just kind of went down even further. That being said, I had a blast doing it. I loved it. It was like one of the best experiences I've ever had uh, creatively. Are you watching Fosse Burton? Yeah, I am. I actually just I, I just watched the second, second episode. Yeah, I am enjoying it. You know, I always knew that obviously they had this relationship and, and but I didn't really understand the closeness of the relationship and how they created together because that's not something we were taught, you know, we that people talked about. You know, it was always, you know, Fosse, 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 and, and you know, Verdon was, was his muse, sure, but I never realized how integral she was to his success, and I think it's amazing. I love that part of the story. All right, my last question, which is my genie question. I want you to imagine the genie from Aladdin comes to visit you and grants you one wish. Uh-huh. You can change anything about Broadway that you want. So what's the one thing that frustrates you, makes you so upset, angry, flipping tables, throwing bags at people like Fosse did to dancers, that you'd ask this uh, genie to wish away in an instant. <laughs> okay, I have two things. The first thing is that as a choreographer, and this kind of relates to what I was talking about before a little bit, but I want writers to write shows with dance in mind I because I, I feel like they they don't they don't think about dance how dance can help them so the, a lot of a lot of the great musicals beautiful musicals don't have dance because they just never thought about that 
And I, th I feel like they can be even more beautiful if they think about how dance can help them and not get in their way. Because I think everybody thinks, oh, you know, once the dance starts, then the story stops, and then it's just going to make the show longer, and the audience is going to get bored. But I feel, I feel like in the way they're writing, yes, that's going to that's gonna happen. But if, if they wrote with the dance in mind to help them, then then that it wouldn't work like that. The story would progress through the dance and the audience would be very excited and it would be beautiful to see the dance. Um, so so that's, that's one thing that I wish would happen more. And then... It's such an enlightening thought, frankly, because I, as I just think of it, it's very, of course, dance is the one element that doesn't have words in it, right? Right. So, of course, a writer who's and a lyricist, who, they work in words, right? They don't work in movement so they don't use that tool right which is why I would argue that director choreographers are so successful in musicals because they bring the dance to the creative process from the moment they're hired right right they're like Robbins or Fosse yeah I'm gonna tell you how to tell the story through dance as well you're so right writers yeah. need to writers should take dance class with you frankly truly yeah or yeah, it would and, be and, it would be a really awkward dance class. <laughs> I'd like to see some. You know. But like you know, that, I think that would be really fun to have like you know just like a basic level dance class of like interpretive dance for writers. Yeah, Jason Robert Brown and Joe <laughs> Iconis and like all these folks out there. Lynn Aarons will get her in there. We'll all yeah. just like take you know learn the original choreography to the prologue of West Side Story. Right. I think that's a great idea. I'll try idea. to make that happen. What was the other thing you changed? The right? other thing I would change is I would build like a dozen new Broadway theaters. <laughs> so I there's not a hundred shows waiting for a theater. Yeah, it's it's a crazy thing right now. You know, as, as a producer myself with a whole bunch of oh, titles, yeah. it's like, will it ever open up? Will right. this log jam ever stop? The good news is, is that there's a lot of people that want to do Broadway shows and there's a big audience for it. That's right. We yes. have to find new theaters. What do you think about... A show on a sidewalk or in an office building or immersive site-specific theater. Yeah, I think it's. I think that'd be great. I think you know, and people are kind of doing more of that, right? And finding just you know the, the new like the new Hudson Theater that opened up, and you know just finding new spaces and yeah, it'd be great if we could get a dozen more theaters. Well, it's a very good wish and one that I share with you. So thank you for that. Thanks uh, so much for joining us here today. We will all look for the next big Broadway musical. And you're teaching dance now, right? Yes, yeah. So where could people take if they want to take a class with you? What a great way yeah. to be a Broadway choreographer. I teach, I teach right now at Broadway Dance Center on 45th Street and also at Steps on Broadway. It's on Broadway and like 74th. Great. So there you heard it. Broadway Dance Center and Steps. Go meet Josh in person. Thanks so much for listening, and we will see you next time. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work 
or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R E R I S E T H E A T R E dot org because only together we rise. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.